0: Welcome to Waves of Change Podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Lara. Hey friends, so happy that you're here with us today. Welcome to Waves of Change Podcast. Today I have a great interview for you with Marjorie Schlenoff with Teach with Africa and her organization's doing amazing things, bringing dignity to teachers in South Africa. Africa and providing um, South African teachers with tools, knowledge, inspiration, and a network um, to help them really improve education in South Africa. You'll hear her talk about this Bantu Act, which was a part of apartheid in South Africa that really um, didn't allow Black children to learn what, you know, their white peers were learning. And um, you'll hear her talk about the great disparities between schools in a predominantly, you know, black low income neighborhoods compared to, um, schools in more affluent neighborhoods. And they're doing amazing work. And, um, some of the takeaways, I just want to point out again, similar to my conversation with Katia from educate to envision is just how fortunate we are in the United States, um, with the education that we have we have access to amazing public education I know um actually I was just speaking with a teacher friend of mine who works in a a lower rated elementary school and she said you know what you know the ratings are just a number here she said I work with amazing teachers and we really give our children amazing education and i think that's something in the united states we look so much at the school ratings but even schools with low ratings kids are still getting an amazing education compared to children in south africa children in honduras and we really take it for granted and that um, again is a takeaway with my conversation with marjorie is um, you know how much we take for granted our quality education here in the united states Um, another takeaway I had is just the importance of teachers having dignity and they're really bringing um, you know a sense of dignity to, to teachers in South Africa by providing them the tools and the resources they need she speaks about how before Teach with Africa um, teachers weren't getting real hand-on experience in the classroom in South Africa prior to becoming official teachers and now through um, their organization they are so I will let you get to it. I hope that you enjoy the podcast today, and um, I'll see you next time. Well, thank you, Marjorie, for joining me today. Today we have Marjorie Marjorie Shenlaw from Teach with Africa. But uh, Marjorie, if I can just um, have you introduce yourself and your organization and the mission.
1: Thank you, Lizzie. I thank you very much for this opportunity to share our story with your audience and it's a delight to be able to do so. Uh, The organization that I represent is called Teach With Africa. The with is a very important preposition in our title, which will become clear as we talk further and um, Teach with Africa got started in 2003. It came about through some pretty unfortunate situations and as many things in life do develop, it became an opportunity to create something anew. Um, I don't know if you want me to start with the beginning of that. Yeah, I would love to know how you got the idea for it. Yeah, it's like, you know, where does that come from in a, in a person's experience? In my ex- particular experience, it came about because I was diagnosed with advanced breast cancer mm. at the end of 2003. And, you know, for many people who are facing potential mortality, it was a real wake up call to me to think, all right, you know, our time for all of us on this earth is limited. And is there anything more that I can do is there anything more that I'd like to do? Is there anything that might create the feeling that I had that if I'm not going to be here forever, which none of us are, right. um, can I live a life without significant regret? And I had absolutely no idea, Lizzie, what that meant. I only know there was a very, very strong, compelling feeling. So um, at the same time, I wanted to do some traveling. I ended up with my husband going to South Africa and not never expecting the reaction that i had which was being really appalled by the disparity in income you know certainly we know in the united states that there's inequality of opportunity and income but in south africa it was so in your face and i i asked people we both did you know what's the major problem with, with this country. We knew that after apartheid, that existed really up until 1994, after Nelson Mandela was released from prison and how significant that was. But, you know, what what is the consequence? What has been the consequence of all that separation? And every single person we spoke to said that education was the major problem. Hmm. That education had been totally devastated during apartheid, that there was a totally separate education system called the Bantu Education Act that created such a distance that it was actually against the law to teach black children math or science. That the Bantu education, yeah, I know. It absolutely blew us away. The Bantu Education Act actually created something that was called, quote, education for servitude and that those in power believe that black people were only really equipped to be the servants of the whites in power. And we're going to do everything that they could in order to preserve that. So, you know, (laughs) we thought, oh my gosh, this was going up until the nineties. We thought (laughs) something, what are we small people going to do to be able to redress any of that?
0: And so the Bantu Act, um... Stopped in the 90s, he said. But yes, th- but then education, of course, it's not just like a magic fix, right? It's still there's still those disparities
1: there. Absolutely, Lizzie, and that's what we found that the attempt was made to equalize things, that the segregation ended, but of course, the schools that had been so substandard, even with you know an influx of new resources and new funds were still devastated in many ways by the way in which they were teaching, which was quite archaic. And when we look further into it, it turned out that teachers in South Africa were not, and those who went through the public education system, which is what the majority of the teachers, uh, of course, were trained, got absolutely no time in the classroom there was no student teaching, Hmm. there was no opportunity to actually feel out what it was like to teach actual students. And so when we learned that, we thought, well, you know, maybe we can do something, we can create the opportunity for uh, some teachers that were well trained in different kinds of pedagogy to come to South Africa, and at least in a few schools, be able to make an impact.
0: Interesting. And just to clarify, I know that when you say "we," you're speaking of you and your husband.
1: My husband and I were the founders, but very quickly and very fortunately, we found a group of people who also rallied around that concept. And at, we were very also very lucky that the founder of the Leap Schools, a gentleman named John Gilmore, happened to be coming to the United States. Um, this was early in two thousand five, and he was such a attractive, compelling, passionate speaker, that we had people in our home that, you know, after they heard John, the next meeting we had had over 50 people who said, you know, what could we do to raise some funds to be able to make some kind of change in South Africa? So our our first attempt was to raise some funds to bring American teachers into the group of schools that Mr. Gilmore had founded called the Leap Schools of Science and Maths. In South Africa? In South Africa, in townships of South Africa where previously not one child in the township had been able to pass what they call their matriculation exams to get Mm. into university. So these are like pretty impoverished communities. Very impoverished communities. But they, they were not impoverished once they got into these LEAP schools that became, in many ways, uh, a pivotal place for them to feel like there was another family mm. that was behind them, an emotionally supportive family. And once we actually were able to send teachers into these schools, we found out that they actually we're doing more advanced work in social and emotional training than our more privileged schools in the United States, and that was a huge eye opener for us. Then we knew, wait a second, there are things that we can learn from South Africa. We're not just giving to South Africa.
0: <laughs> wow, interesting. So you start out by just fundraising for these leap schools, is that correct? correct? And then at yeah. what point? Because I know um, you know currently you, you know, the organization has um, a teacher exchange. So how did it kind of grow into that? I'm curious.
1: Yeah. So thank you, Lizzie. So, you know, once we realized that there were these wonderful skills and practices and ways of teaching that the LEAP schools had already completed way beyond what we had done, then we realized that there would be an enormous advantage in having some of those South African teachers come into our schools. And so, again, we had this concept of the with the Teach with Africa, but it, we didn't know what that really meant, you know, right. how that would actually be effectuated. So, once we had a, a feeling for what these teachers were going to be able to bring to our schools, that just allowed us to take off in a very meaningful direction.
0: how did you start that if you know inviting teachers from south africa to the united states how did you first find schools that they could um you know teach in and and where they were going to stay and all those logistics i'm sure it was a heavy lift at first
1: (laughs) well i am sure you know after talking to several other founders of nonprofits, the beginning is also is is always quite heavy lifting but It, You know, you start with what you know. We knew schools where our children were attending, the friends' children were attending. We knew the kinds of schools that might be attracted to this experience. And then over time, because it had fortunately worked out so that having South African teachers in our schools was an enormous advantage because most of the children in the schools that they were going to really had a pretty outmoded idea of what Africa was really all about. And certainly didn't have much of a sense of the real devastation of apartheid and how that was tied into some of our racial segregation laws. So it became a very powerful experience for the few schools we started with. And as you know, once you have success with a few entities, in this case, schools and host families, then the word spread and it became easier and easier so that um, before the pandemic, we had 12 different schools. And uh, wow. I think probably, I, I believe it was about 100 teachers back and forth. Wow, that, that's a lot. <laughs> you know, Yeah, it was a lot. and And I would say that the majority felt it was quite, a transformative experience for everyone.
0: And when you say back and forth, just to clarify, there's also teachers from the United States
1: going to South Africa as well, is that correct? That is correct. And we had a hiatus of the past two years. And then this year there is a wonderful cohort that's going over again to South Africa that will be part of a big conference called the AXIS Summit that is created and put on by an entity that Teach With Africa was also involved in with the LEAP schools called the Global Teachers Institute. And that is a place where all this wonderful learning that's taken place in the LEAP schools themselves and with all this reciprocity globally that's going on, of actually being a place where all teachers from South South Africa have the opportunity to learn from those experiences. Oh,
0: so they will amazing. be
1: going over. Yeah, we're so relieved that finally, you know, we can begin this program of exchanges again.
0: Right, yeah. And I want to kind of tap into, so, you know, focusing first on teachers coming from the United States to South Africa, uh, you know, what are they doing when they get there? Are they teaching just the curriculum for South Africa or is there any like you know special focus that they have um, I'm curious you, about that
1: yeah are you talking about the teachers who come from South Africa into the schools here in the U.S.
0: well I want to focus on both but starting with um, those that come from the United States to teach in South Africa
1: oh okay so yeah it, it's a very good question actually because it, it's not so much a, an opportunity for teaching. There is co-teaching that goes on, but mostly it's about sitting down and sharing both with the students and the teachers. You know, what are the fundamentals of education? What is it you're really trying to accomplish in terms of the whole child? So it's not that they're teaching a subject matter, although some teachers will actually do that, but it's more sitting down and sharing with the educators, you know, what are you really trying to turn out when you're, when you're teaching? You know, what are you teaching toward? What's the mm-hmm. end product? Because that, again, as I mentioned, the focus on the social and emotional aspect of education is really primary.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, as a parent with a child in, in a public school, it's teaching us so much more than just the subjects they're teaching, it's, you know. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, really coaching the child and their social and emotional well-being as well. I love that. Um, And then for those teachers that come from South Africa to the United States, um, I know you mentioned that they teach on apartheid, which I think is great. Um, What else are they focused on when they're in the schools here in the United States?
1: Well, many of them do have a focus on a particular subject matter so that they will find a partner teacher in one of the host schools that takes them in hand in effect and has them share their own particular teaching method and their own practice with a, with their classrooms but very often there are large assemblies there are ways that the south african teachers are sharing their culture they're sharing their actual experience you know what it was like for them to grow up in a township and have the this wonderful privilege Of education, which some of our children here don't necessarily consider education as much of a privilege as they do there. I I think also just meeting these South African educators and learning where they've lived, seeing the kinds of places that they've grown up that, you know, for instance, there were, sorry, there was a group of teachers going into the Oakland public schools And one of the teachers said in a meeting that we had afterwards, what I'm most struck with is how you've been able to maintain your dignity, the idea of dignity of a teacher and the Mm. idea of dignity of somebody who has been so cast aside by your government and by so many people in your country and still be that passionate about education and loving children and keeping your own sense of self. And honor that they were, they saw them as role models. I guess is probably the shortest way of saying it.
0: Wow, I love that. It's so important too. What you mentioned is, you know, teachers maintaining dignity because in a classroom you have to maintain that respect in order to, you know, maintain the children's attention as well. So yeah, it's absolutely. Really um, and then, how long do the uh, teachers typically stay in each country?
1: Usually it's about a month. Um, The last group that came over came over the beginning of March 2020, and so great timing. (laughs) It was so it could not have been worse. So they only got two weeks before you know it was very clear about what was going on with COVID 19, and we were able to get them out just at that two week mark where the last flight from the United States to South Africa had taken off before the you know, the flights were actually shut down. So yeah, that, that was, it was really pretty traumatic for everyone. And so that's, you know, in in terms of how the particular organization has had to meet a challenge. I I would say that was the biggest challenge to -hmm. know that you have something that's building and building in its expansion and in its capacity to have an impact and then have it shut down so quickly was really a difficult thing for everyone involved. And so just now we're gearing up again. And that's why I'm very thrilled to be able to speak with you today and be in a very (laughs) much more (laughs) optimistic frame of mind.
0: Yes. And I'm curious. So during these last two years or so, um, have you been able to have any programming or kind of what has the organization
1: been focused on? Well, what we've done is do mentoring that is virtual mentoring, remote Mm -hmm. mentoring. So the teachers who have been host teachers before and had had planned, especially those that had planned to continue being host teachers in uh, March, 2020, continued with those specific teachers that they were already connected with before they had to leave the country. And then additionally, we had teachers who had signed up who wanted just to have that continued experience, even though it wasn't face-to-face. But as you know, not having the, the actual in-person experience is, is not as fleshed out. <laughs> right. we said it's not as ideal, but we've maintained that we continue to do uh, webinars between educational leaders both in the United States and South Africa that were very well attended and I think very um, well received. But it, as I say, there's there's no substitute for that in-person connection between the host families, the host schools and teachers on both sides. That's yeah. the real width.
0: Right, yeah, that's a completely understandable. Um, well, we just spoke about your biggest challenge, but I would love to hear kind of like going back and looking on when you first started and like one of your first success stories I would love to hear about that when you just kind of really just stopped and felt like okay we're actually like making an impact and this is working.
1: Sure yeah thank you that's a wonderful question I'd say one of the things that was most moving for us and most uh, emotionally powerful was uh, back in 2012, when we had a whole group of South African student teachers and teachers come into our schools. And every year, again, uh, until 2020, when we had to cancel it, but every year we hold a big gala. And the big gala celebration includes the South African teachers putting on some presentation of their particular cultural, um, in this case, it, it was a dance dance, troop that was coming in that were also teaching in the schools. And one of the young women was rehearsing the night before when was ready to go to the gala the next morning and was staying in a host family who fortunately the, the host parents happened to be physicians. And before she was able to actually get to the gala, she collapsed and was taken into one of our hospitals. We had to go to the gala. We didn't know what was going on. And it was at the very end of the gala that we got the notification that this young woman who is a, a teacher, a young teacher, 19, studying to become a fully fledged teacher, had actually had a baby. Oh, my she, goodness. She had no idea that she was pregnant? She had no idea that she was pregnant. Oh, my goodness. Wow. What a surprise. <laughs> It was a surprise for all of us, but it was so powerful to think, how in the world would this young woman not have known? But it it turned out that she lived in one of the most impoverished townships. Mm -hmm. Her mother had died when she was six years old. She had Mm -hmm. never seen a doctor, never seen a nurse. She had no sisters, uh, no one to discuss what was going on in her body and any changes that were going on. And so she literally had no idea that she was pregnant. And so she delivered this tiny baby, mm. just a little over two pounds, who s- had to stay in the NICU for quite a while, a uh, neonatal unit, and then was released. But it took five months for this little baby to be able to be able to go back to the US. And everyone in the organization just rallied around to create. Yeah, yeah, it was so beautiful to create a space for her to continue having her, the mother, begin to learn not only her studies, but learn how to be a mom and, and care for this new baby. And now this young woman is a fully certified teacher in South Africa. Um, Her child is 10 years old and thriving. And, you know, when I look back on, you know, it's not the numbers, you know, we've, I think we've, you know, we've figured out we've reached about a hundred thousand students over the years and teachers, but it's that one story, Lizzie, that stands out to me.
0: It proves that you've like really created a family and a community, I think. Absolutely. I love it. It's the first teach with Africa, baby. <laughs> yes.
1: Well, the only one so far. Right. <laughs> we, I think we ask people now uh, before they come. Is it, you know, can you tell us about what's going on in terms of your current health? <laughs> I think we look into it a little more carefully. But as you say, it was quite a surprise to all of us. Wow. Well, that
0: is not at all what I was expecting. Too, when you were going with that story, I was expecting like maybe oh, she had a, may, I was like, maybe she had a heart attack. I don't know. But um, wow, that is a surprise. And I'm sure yeah. um, that you guys maintain communication with her and um, get we updates do. about the child.
1: We do, indeed. She she named her, um, I guess I shouldn't use it in, just, you know, in terms of confidentiality, right. but the, the African word is blessing from God. Oh, and it was just, just, yeah, it's quite, quite lovely. Oh,
0: I love that. Um, So I know that you have the teacher exchange program, which we discussed, um, and I also saw you have a global teachers institute I thought maybe you could speak a little bit about what that is.
1: Yes, I mentioned that just in passing earlier that the GTI or global teachers institute is having a big summit called the Axis Summit where our teachers will be from the US will be coming to present. Um, Every year it's held, except for the past two years, but other than that, it's an opportunity for teachers throughout all of Africa to come together and learn about from each other. You know, what are the best practices? You know, what can we learn from each other? Uh, This year, the focus is going to be what have we been able to learn from the experience of the pandemic? And that, you know, I think it's called renew and regenerate. That what are some of the lessons learned that we can take away going forward for education? But the hope is that it's a place that education is seen again as a profession of dignity. It is because of the way that South Africa and apartheid was structured, that teachers were very much denigrated in the culture because black teachers could only teach black students.
0: Mm. And
1: the idea that there were separate classes of people and separate classes of professions, you know, created even more of a disparity than other um, professions in South Africa. So there's a lot to make up for In terms of teachers feeling proud of being teachers, knowing that the impact, knowing the impact that they can make, and growing and learning from each other. And that's what the Global Teacher Institute does. It takes the laboratory of the LEAP schools, what's been effective in teaching, and disseminating that throughout the country, and also learning from other schools and what they've done that really can be instructive and fundamental.
0: I'm curious, Marjorie. Um, I assume that you go back to South Africa frequently, maybe not during the pandemic, but prior to that. Um, yes. Have you seen any differences since you started Teach with Africa when you visit, um, specifically in the schools or um, among the teachers? Have you seen any improvements as far as, um, you know, segregation
1: and quality of, of the schooling there? that's a really important um, aspect to focus on. The hope is that the LEAP schools that have made an enormous difference in their particular neighborhoods or townships is is quite remarkable, that the townships that previously did not have a LEAP school in them and don't have one, that the LEAP school is just one school within the township. So the townships, Now, still, I I believe it's less than 50% are able to pass the matriculation exam, whereas Mm -hmm. the students in the LEAP schools every year, that is at least 95%. And this year, there were several schools where 100% of the students passed that final exam to get into university. And so those students are achieving enormous things that many years there's a list of the 200 most outstanding South African people under 30 and very very often the people that show up on their li- on that list are graduates of elite oh, the leap schools but the bigger problem, which is great but it's not enough right. and the the whole idea behind LEAP and behind the Global Teacher Institute is transformative. You know, How do you really make a dent in an entire society? And so what's been happening lately is there are partnerships between the LEAP schools and the government schools so that they are bringing small groups of teachers who have been trained through LEAP and embedding them in the public schools so that teachers throughout South Africa will have that opportunity to learn with some of the same kinds of pedagogy and practices that the fewer teachers who are actually fortunate enough to go to LEAP can can um, implement. And so the wish and the hope is really for a much more fundamental change in how teachers are viewed and the impact that specific teachers can have on the students in their community. And of course, that's gonna be a much, much bigger problem to tackle, but- the, right that's the goal. (laughs) That is definitely the goal.
0: (laughs) Well, and that kind of leads into um, my next question is, um, you know, what you're, you're excited about coming up and if um, you have any new future programming that's new, or um, just want to hear about what you're excited about looking into the future.
1: Yes. I'd say the first thing I'm excited about is that we're, going to be able to do some traveling back and forth right. and you know <laughs> that that has been a, a obviously a huge deterrent to future programming but what we are excited about is most of the exchanges that we've done have been between bay area schools and south africa and next year we're going to be moving that out so that we have a school uh, a school system in Maryland that is interested in bringing South African students into that arena. We have a host family, yes, uh, host schools. And it's kind of a leap in the box prospect. Um, actually just today, I have a, uh, one of the founders from Leap is actually here in, a, in our house. He is visiting the United States. And he just told us that there is a group of teachers in Louisville, Kentucky that wants to do the same. So oh, wow. it will be, yeah. So that just happened today. So that opportunity, um, and I'm glad, to, you know, this podcast, because if there are schools, you know, any place really doesn't have to be the Bay Area, but could be, you know, many different communities around the country. We're geared up to be able to, we've done it long enough now that we kind of know the formula and we know what's workable. And we also know what's not. So <laughs> that that that, as you know, can be even more. Instructor. Right,
0: yeah learn as you go um i love the timing of that that the you know one of the leap individuals is with you right now
1: yes yes he is anthony galloway he's right downstairs
0: <laughs> and speaking of timing i actually just thought of this um it's teacher appreciation day as we speak and i'm curious yes, it is someone who works with teachers so much What advice do you have to us parents of how to best appreciate and lift up teachers?
1: Whoa, that is is such a beautiful question. Um, Because especially going to South Africa and realizing how teachers and education are appreciated in a different way. I think just maybe to help our teachers realize that We have so much here. We have so many resources. We have so many opportunities to give our teachers that position that is not granted, has not been granted in other cultures. And letting them know that they are the best (laughs) and the brightest probably of any group that has ever been educated in any country. But I don't know if even in this country, if we show sufficient appreciation for the people that are actually doing that job.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think we take for granted the quality education that's so easily accessible here in this country. And it's not when you leave the country and, you know, South Africa and certainly several other countries. So That's really, um, you know, important what you said, that, you know, these teachers are the best and the brightest, and we got to let them know
1: and lift them up. Yeah, I I believe that fervently. You know, something that was very striking to me, one of the times that we were in South Africa, and you're right, you know, we're fortunate to go back and actually be in the schools and see what's going on, is one day there was an enormous rainstorm the kind of rainstorm we don't usually get here in the Bay Area, but it was was, so bad that the buses weren't able to run. And the, the townships are at a considerable distance from the schools. And we were in one of the LEAP schools and we were sitting having a meeting and it was quite quiet because there were no students there. And all of a sudden we hear this enormous commotion and laughing, giggling, and we open the door and there are a horde of students wringing out their socks and their jackets and (laughs) laughing and they had walked several miles because the buses weren't running Mm. to get to school because it was so important to them and you know it's the kind of thing that you know in our day was like our parents were saying you know how hard we had to get to school and we would walk you know (laughs) or at least our grandparents would say that but it was actually happening in South Africa that the students were so appreciative of the opportunity to go to school. They weren't gonna let any rainstorm or anything for that matter, hold them back. And you know, it's that kind of thing that was so impressive to us. And maybe that's the kind of thing that parents need to say to their children without trying to make them feel guilty. But, right. but rather just to say, this is really going on in other countries. This is what, this is what really happens.
0: Yeah, that is. Yeah, it's such a privilege to to be well educated, and you know, I think here in the United States, we kind of have a mentality like where we celebrate, you know, snow days or any of that, where other children are like, you know, walking through large puddles and you know other (laughs) obstacles just to get to school. Exactly,
1: exactly, Lizzie,
0: that's exactly right, and I think that's really important to to think about. Um. I'm curious, too, as a founder of a nonprofit, um, just in case there's anyone listening who, you know, desires to start their or- organization, what advice do you have um, for someone
1: looking to start their own nonprofit? Uh, I would say that you have to have passion. I think creating a nonprofit, everybody has ideas about how they might imagine the world being changed in some way but if you don't have a combination of enormous passion for that and enormous persistence because there it's not easy it's not easy and you know as i you know shared with you there are a lot of stumbles along the way and being able to just get through those difficult periods and have the kind of optimism that's required to do that, and also knowing that you can't do it alone. I mean, there's no way that Teach With Africa would ever exist without a huge number of people who care deeply about global education, and we're able to come forward and say in a very genuine way, you know, what can we do to help?
0: Yeah, I love that. Thinking too, how did you originally get connected to LEAP? Because it feels just like such a fortunate connection in order to, you know, have this organization start and be successful.
1: I, I think you're right. I think the most important thing probably is luck. I should have said that first <laughs> before passion and persistence. I think, you know, good luck is a huge part of it. And we really were able to get connected through the person who set up our original trip to South Africa, mm-hmm. who knew somebody in the community. And he said, Do you happen to know about a school that might be interested in having these people come who are thinking about global education? And they fortunately knew John Gilmore, knew of the LEAP school that had just started. It really started just a year before, and that was the connection. And again, as I mentioned earlier, that John Gilmore happened to be coming to the United States just as we had this idea. And so that collaboration and reciprocity happened out of really good fortune. And so that was part of the with as well.
0: I love that. It turned out to be a wonderful partnership.
1: (laughs) With a lot of good luck.
0: (laughs) Um, Great. Well, I wanted to open it up to you to, you know, let our audience know how we can help um, teach with Africa. What sort of help are you guys currently looking for?
1: Well, we are not a small nonprofit and we are almost completely volunteer run. We do not have a paid staff that the people who are kind enough to work with us do it with, you know, as consultants, and they do it out of the goodness of their minds and hearts. And so we're always looking for volunteer help on the organization for social media help. Wahoo, you mentioned, is a wonderful person who has been working with us as a consultant for a while, and she's always looking for help with communication and social media. And uh, fundraising, of course, as a nonprofit is perennial, it doesn't stop. And people who care about education that might want to donate either individually or get a group of people, it's a wonderful team building opportunity to get together and they've groups have done runs and walks and bake sales and sponsoring schools, getting children in our schools connected to the students in other schools. There are really almost limitless possibilities and all those possibilities are very welcome.
0: (laughs) Um, And then you mentioned as well, any schools interested in in hosting um, teachers from South Africa as well. Is that
1: correct? Absolutely. We are always looking to expand our schools to either send teachers to South Africa, or as you say, importantly, to be able to host teachers from South Africa that we hope to start up again next spring. So that would be absolutely wonderful to be connected to those people. And I don't know, do I put Lizzie, should I say what my own personal email is? What's the best way that people could connect?
0: Yeah, that was my next question. I will put it all in the show notes, but if you want to let the audience know how best they can find you and also teach with Africa.
1: That would be fabulous. Yeah. The easiest way is just to connect to me directly. Margie, M-A-R-G-I-E at teachwithafrica.org. Amazing.
0: And you guys are also on social media as well, as you mentioned. Teach with
1: Africa. Yes. And Um, We're very happy, very proud of our logo, our our Teach With Africa logo was created by uh, one of the designers of the first South African flag after it became independent.
0: Wow, that is amazing. How were you able
1: to make that connection? That's pretty cool. I think you use the word luck before it's a lot of luck and someone who happened to know someone from South Africa who was that designer who left to come to San Francisco. And that's how so much happens, as you know, it's the, the people who care about what you care about and hooking those people together, making those connections. That's what makes any organization work. And we've been deeply, deeply grateful for those connections.
0: Yeah, For all those widths. Yeah, building connections and a network of of supporters. Great. That's it. Well, um, we always like to end the podcast with just some fun, rapid fire questions about you. Um, Are you ready?
1: I am. I didn't know about it, but I will be ready in five
0: seconds after (laughs) I take a breath. Yes, go ahead. Um, Your favorite place in the world and
1: be as specific as possible? My favorite place in the world is probably a strange answer is um, Cape Town, Robben Island, which is where Nelson Mandela was incarcerated for so many years. It was my favorite because it turned my life inside out and upside down. And to me, anything that could create that kind of shaking up experience is my favorite.
0: That's beautiful. Um, Okay, so show you are currently binge-watching.
1: Oh, what have I been binge-watching? I have not been binge-watching. Actually, I I've actually been getting out. Um, Good. I I feel like I spent so much of the past two years binge watching that I've actually stopped doing that. So I can't give you an
0: answer to that. Well, that is perfectly fine. I will accept that you've been getting outdoors and getting out of the house. That's important. Yes. Especially after the last two years. Yes. Um, How about last book that you read?
1: Oh the the last book I read was American Dirt. Um, it is a book about immigrants leaving Mexico mm. and what they've gone through, not South African, but, but Mexican, and the travails of that group of people and what they've had to go through in order to reach this country. Again, very disturbing, something that turns you inside out and upside down. And that, that to me was one of the most powerful books I've read in a while.
0: Wow. Is that, I believe is her it, name is
1: Jeanette. Jeanette Cummings is her name.
0: Is it fiction,
1: nonfiction? It's, it's fiction. Okay. But it's based on a lot, a lot of very, you can, I mean, it, it certainly right. seems like it was extremely well-researched.
0: Wow. Um, okay. One fun fact about you. Uh,
1: I am a professional poker player. Wow. <laughs> which means that I play poker for, um, Cash for money, in in tournaments and in casinos, and that's probably something that most people don't know about me. Wow, that's awesome! You need to do like a Teach With Africa
0: poker tournament. It would be a good oh, fundraiser. Yes.
1: <laughs> we have done that, but it's it's on a small scale. It's the kind of thing that I've fantasized about doing on a large scale, but yeah. we have not done that yet.
0: Wow, I love that. Um, okay, and then
1: last one is your favorite quote. My favorite quote is uh, from Nelson Mandela. It is uh, "Education is the most powerful weapon that you can use to change the world." I love that. And it's me um... too. I, I love it, I believe in it and I am very grateful for the opportunity to share this global education startup. And it's still a startup. It's still a nonprofit startup. And, you know, our hope is to be able to continue it and have more impact as years go by.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much, Marjorie. Um, and best of luck with, teacher, with Africa. And thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me.
1: Thank you, Lizzie. Again, appreciate the opportunity.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Waves of Change podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Lara. I would love if you would follow or subscribe our podcast, or would you leave a rating or review? Five stars is our favorite. That would help others find us, and we'd really appreciate it. If you're active on social media, please follow us at Waves of Change podcast on Instagram. Even more, if you would share this episode on your stories, that would be wonderful. If you have suggestions or want to recommend an organization I should interview, email us at wavesofchangepod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Thank you. I'll see you next time.